Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All right, Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Jesus is speaking. He said, don't misunderstand why I have come. Man, this, this sounds important. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets, No, I came to accomplish, please look at what he says. I came to accomplish their purpose. I didn't come to abolish them. I didn't come to do away with them. I came to uh, to accomplish their purpose. Verse 18 says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you'll be called the least in the kingdom of God, but anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Father, we just um, open our hearts and minds today to receive your word. I pray, God, that you would use me to say to your people what you want them to hear. God, I pray that you would challenge us through your spirit, raise us up, Lord, to be your hands and feet and to live our lives uh, according to purpose that you've called us to. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Purpose is so powerful that Jesus was murdered over it. Purpose is so powerful that the 12 apostles gave their lives to it and then ultimately gave their lives for it. You and I have been gifted by God for a purpose. We've been prepared for fulfilling our purpose. We've been called by God for a purpose, not just a function, a purpose. Not just, uh, not just an office, not just a position or a title or an appointment, a purpose. We've been invited, we found out last week, to yoke ourselves with Jesus so he can show us how to live our lives with purpose. If you want to boil down the problems in the American church, and there are many, it may very well come down to this one thing. We've lost our purpose as a body, and as individual members of that body. We've been called to fulfill a purpose. And the enemy has kept us busy studying gifts, analyzing stuff, contemplating calling, doing everything except walking in it. Why? Because the enemy is not scared of people who don't know their purpose. He doesn't mind people learning about stuff. He doesn't mind people performing religious functions. He doesn't mind people going to church because the enemy is at church too. But you let somebody start to understand their purpose. 
You let somebody start walking in their purpose. You let somebody start looking for kingdom opportunities everywhere they go. You let somebody start loving God and loving people. You let somebody start looking for ways to honor God and to show Jesus to people and the enemy loses his mind. Right? How powerful is purpose? You can gauge the eternal power of something by seeing how much it affects the spirit world. You can gauge the value, the spiritual value of something by seeing how it affects the spirit world. The enemy had allowed the Pharisees and the Sadducees to operate in function for centuries without really causing much of a disturbance. They gained political power. They gained social influence. The enemy did not care. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious rulers of the day allowed Jesus to do his ministry as long as it didn't violate their functions. But the moment Jesus began to operate in purpose, they started plotting his death. Jesus said in our opening scripture, listen, make no mistake, I'm not here for function, I'm here for purpose. I'm here for purpose. See, the religious rulers of the, days, of the day were experts in function. And they, they became experts in function so they could manipulate those functions until they were stripped of any kingdom purpose. Jesus came to restore purpose. And in this passage, in the middle of his famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus started tearing into their hypocrisy. He said, listen, I didn't come to do away with anything that's actually in the law of God. I came to restore those things to their, their rightful and original purpose. And then he just tore into them. He started hammering them on anger and lust and, and divorce and swearing oaths and loving your enemy and giving and praying and fasting. All of those were functions that they had perverted for their own purposes. And the ministry of Jesus while he was here on the earth was about restoring purpose to those functions. See, the devil doesn't care how religious you are. He doesn't care how strict you are. He doesn't care how outwardly holy you appear to be as long as you don't discover the power in your relationship with Jesus. As long as you don't discover your purpose. The closer you get to purpose, the more spiritual warfare you're going to face because the enemy isn't worried about function, but he's terrified of believers who find their purpose. Because purpose comes with power. With purpose comes authority. With purpose comes vision. And with vision comes provision. The only way we're ever going to be able to fulfill the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples of everyone is if we get reconnected to purpose. Purpose. Because it won't make one bit of difference. won't make any spiritual difference if every person in the church finds their perfect function based on their personality or based on their natural giftings or their spiritual gifts or their blood type or their mother's maiden name or all the ways that we're trying to measure and quantify. It won't make one bit of spiritual difference if those functions are disconnected from purpose. We're called for a purpose, not a function. And today, I want to talk about the power of purpose. The power of purpose. I'd like to share this illustration with you, if you don't mind. I don't have, uh, you know, I drive a school bus. I don't have air conditioning on my school bus. Uh, so airflow is very, very important. <laughs> 
We, we let those windows down so we don't die. All right? That's what that's about. Uh, otherwise, it is a crock pot. And we just slow roast ourselves to death. So we, at, at the end of those, are the, so we let the windows down if it's not raining. Um, and at the end of my route, I start to have some of the students help me uh, put the windows up because it takes a long time for one person to do it by themselves. So after I dropped my last kid one day, um, I realized it was getting really warm really fast on the bus. I still had my driver window open. I still had my little fan, and it was just doing all it could do. Uh, it just was not getting it done. Why is that? Because the, un- the other windows had already been let up. It takes two windows in order to get the draw so the air can get moving. And that's, and that's really when it struck me. Why is it in the American church, why is it we're so powerless why is it that we don't see the Spirit moving in our churches as much as, as, as we hear about the old days or as much as we know that He wants to? Why don't we see the flow of the Spirit anymore? Because there's no draw. There's no draw. Do you know what the Greek word for Spirit is? Pneuma. Pneuma. It's where we get our word for air-powered tools. Pneumatic tools are air-powered because pneuma means air or wind. Do you know that every gift and every purpose of God is pneumatic? It's powered by the Spirit. If we want the air or if we want the wind of the Spirit to move in our churches, then we're going to have to create the draw. We've got to open the window of function and the window of purpose at the same time. You see, too many churches only open the window of function. We sing, we preach, we greet. Those are church functions. But if we want the power of God to move, we've got to open the window of purpose. That's the key. We have to create the draw so the Spirit can move, and that's the power of of purpose. Let me give you an example from the lives of believers. We get so spun up about prayer, don't we? It's, this is another one of those things that we can study to death. You, you we get, we, we study the types of prayer. We study, so like when, when's the best time to pray? Should you get up at five? Should you pray at noon? What, when's the best time to pray? We talk about when to pray and how to pray. We measure how many answers we get for prayer. But, but how often do we stop and ask why we pray? What's the purpose? Is it to get answers? Is it to make God move in the way that we want him to? The purpose of prayer is to bring alignment with heaven's purpose. The purpose of prayer is to bring us into alignment with heaven. Let me show it to you in the scripture. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, Our Father, right, who art in heaven, and then he said, Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. The focus, first and foremost, out of Jesus' mouth himself was about aligning ourselves with his will and with his purposes. It's about us getting in line with the Father. Jesus said in in another uh, scripture, he said, I never said anything, I never did anything that I didn't see the Father doing or hear the Father saying. Wow. Could we say that like even 10% of the time? 
in our lives. He said, I never said a word the Father didn't say. I never did a thing the Father didn't, wasn't already doing or leading me to do. How did that happen? You see it over and over again in the scripture. What did Jesus do? He slipped away to a quiet place and he got alone with the Father. And he stayed there until he was perfectly aligned with, with the Father through prayer. Look at what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 28. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Remember, everything's spirit-powered. It's all air power. It's all pneumatic. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Isn't that the truth? Don't we face times in our lives where we have absolutely no idea? But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit's saying, for the Spirit pleads for believers in, look at this, in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to what? His purpose for them. We don't know how to pray. So the Spirit prays through us and for us according to the will of the Father, working all things together. That's alignment So that for those who are called according to the Father's purpose. Prayer is about alignment with heaven. We want His will in somebody's life, so we intercede. Intercession is one of those functions of prayer. We want justice for somebody who's been wronged, maybe even for ourselves. So, so we, uh, we, uh, we pray for justice for those people or for ourselves. But, but the purpose of prayer requires that we ask not for our justice, but for heaven's justice, right? You see? So if we go to prayer and none of the circumstances of our lives change or none of the circumstances in the lives of others change, but we have aligned ourselves with his will and with his purpose if we, if we pray and none of that stuff changes, but now we have his mind and his attitude about it, the religious world would say we failed. God would say we've succeeded. Because the purpose and the function have perfectly aligned us with heaven and the Father's pleased. That's what the old timers used to call praying through. You ever heard anybody say that? I just had to pray through about it. What does that mean? That's where spiritual power comes from. Not that you learn to get God to give you what you want, but that through your time in prayer, you learn to want what God's giving. And that's when the refreshing wind of the Spirit blows through. That's when the draw gets created. That's when the wind of the Spirit blows through our lives. And, and that's when we find His peace. That's real power, and the power comes from purpose, opening both windows. Y'all all right? Y'all do open windows, everyone. We ain't such an air conditioner generation, we forgot what it means to see the wind blow, have we? All right? You can do that in your house, too. Now, let's talk about church for a minute. Without two windows open, there's no draw. People come to church because they, they say, I want to go to church, and I'm going to get me a blessing. That's the wrong window. Worship should be a window to blessing God and giving God what He deserves. When we do that, God will open the other window and will drive in a blessing. 
but it doesn't work backwards. The, the blessing comes from accomplishing the purpose. If we seek the blessing, we miss the purpose and the wind never blows. But when we seek first the kingdom of God, then all those blessings get added. Right? Now, do, do you know, though, that worship is not just about God, but it's also about others? How we worship, and if we worship, doesn't just affect God, it, it, it affects others as well. I want to show it to you in John chapter 12, verse 32. This is what Jesus said. When I'm lifted up from the earth, I'll draw everyone to myself. I'll draw everyone to myself. When he was lifted up on the cross, he drew us to himself, didn't he? Those of us who are believers, that's how we got saved. He drew us to himself. And when he's lifted up in praise, the Spirit does the same thing today. When he is lifted up, the Spirit draws people to himself. Here's the, here's the sad truth. Some people will never find their way to the cross because we don't lift Jesus up high enough for them to see. Worship's not just about us. As a matter of fact, worship's not about us. It's about God first, and it's about helping other people find him. And too many times, we come in too laid back. We come in too satisfied. I dare say we come in sometimes too blessed, right? We think, I'm good. I, I can get what I need from God by just standing here quietly. I don't have to raise my hand. I don't have to even I don't have to sing. I don't even have to participate in worship. I can worship God still and quiet. Listen, we're not even going to argue about that. But even if that's true, what about the people around you? What about the other people? We have a responsibility to the people that we're here with to, to, and to God to worship Him and to lift Him up in such a way that it creates the draw. You understand? So we have to get past ourselves and we have to worship not just for yourself but for somebody else. Because listen, you don't know what's buried them during the week. We've gotten so good at faking everything. We come in and we, we can barely breathe because we're buried under all of the weight of the things that's going on in our lives. And, and when people say, how you doing? We go, we're fine. We're great. Highly favored and blessed by the Lord. We, all this kind of mess. You don't know how close they are to giving up. Quit worrying about looking at them. You can't see that stuff. You don't know how close they are to giving up. You can never take a week off when we're here. We can't just phone it in because you just don't know. There have been times I've come in here having a hard time and your worship thrust me into the presence of God where I was healed and restored and encouraged and like this morning, was refreshed. That's the purpose of gathering. It's not just about you. So worship like somebody's life depends on it because it might. We have to intentionally create an atmosphere where people can be set free. As we approach the opportunity to open this campus for the house of Cherith, those ladies are going to be coming to church here. These women are going to be fighting hell to overcome the trauma and the addiction and the abuse and all the things that they need to beat if they're just going to have a chance at a normal life. And this is the question that's been haunting me. 
What are they going to find here when they walk in? What are they going to walk into? We've had many, many Sundays where the presence of God was thick. It was almost, it, it was almost tangible. The atmosphere was electric. And the response to the word was enthusiastic. Where, where people immediately felt like they belong here. But there have also been too many Sundays where we've come and gone and there was no wind blowing. We sit or we stand in silence. We talk to the same people we always do if we talk to anybody. We make no visible, no audible connection to the Word. We make no visible, no audible connection in worship. The atmosphere is flat. And when we're done, we just get up and go home because we've checked the box. we fulfilled the obligation. we fulfilled the function of gathering. But what about the purpose? What about the purpose? You say, John, I'm, I'm kind of sick of hearing about these women in the HOC. Listen, it ain't just about the women from the HOC. They ain't even here yet. And this already applies. It's the friends we invite to come with us from work. It's the teenage granddaughter that's already an alcoholic. It's the, it's the 11-year-old boy who's already hooked on porn. It's the businessman who's about to lose everything he's got and he's struggling to find peace and strength. It's the family who just lost a loved one. It's the woman that's trying to take care of an aging mother. It's a single parent who's about to lose their mind over all the things that have to be done. All these people need to walk into an atmosphere where they can feel the wind of the Spirit blowing. Where they can see Jesus being lifted up. They need an atmosphere of freedom where chains are broken and where people feel loved and accepted. God forbid that we bring the women of the HOC here and help provide for their physical needs and their emotional needs and their medical needs, but we are unable to meet their spiritual needs because we've lost the purpose of gathering. God forbid that we invite people or God sends people to us providentially and they find talent but not anointing and they find politeness but not acceptance. They find religion, but they don't find a relationship. They find spiritual principles, but they lack spiritual power. Where they find function, but they don't find purpose. We have to create the draw, and that takes a decision. It doesn't happen by accident. If we wait for, uh, for everybody in the room to just kind of feel like it, It just happens sometimes, and the rest of the time it just doesn't. Can we, can we afford to be satisfied with that? It takes mature women and men of God who intentionally connect function of worship with purpose of worship. That's where the power is. That's how the wind blows. You say, John, so let me understand this. So you just want us to fake it now, is that right? No. I want us to come back to the messy middle where, the, where we neither fake it nor forsake it. It's not one extreme or the other. Sometimes you have to push your way toward purpose. Do y'all just wake up with purpose in your heart every day? No, you don't. I don't. Sometimes you got to push yourself to do the right thing for the right reason, don't you? Are y'all here? 
Come on now. You, you don't just pop up with purpose. And sometimes you, you have to sort of force your way towards function. We're not always going to get it perfect. I know that. But when we fail, let us fail with our faces towards heaven. Giving it everything we've got. Desperately trying to find the wind of His Spirit to refresh the souls of the people that God sent our way. It's time. Y'all come play something, please. It's time. It's time to recommit ourselves to consistently worshiping with purpose. To consistently gathering with purpose. Now listen, can, can we get for real here for just a second? You're like, good Lord, that wasn't real already? Um, many of us are, I really have a word for this, but we're kind of post-Pentecostals. We still believe we still see what the scriptures say. We know. We're kind of Pentecostal refugees from the 90s and the 2000s. If y'all were there, you know what I'm talking about, right? We lived through the excesses. We lived through the spiritual manipulation. Yes, I just said that. We lived through sometimes just the outright heresy of that era. And we don't want to go back. And I ain't going there either, okay? I live, believe me, when you're the worship leader, <laughs> I've seen some ridiculous things happen in the name of Jesus. Blamed on the Holy Spirit. Okay? So I don't want to go back there. That's not what I'm talking about. But, but listen, a loud and boisterous church can be just as far from purpose as a quiet one. It's not either or. The bottom line of that era that we sort of lived through is that they prostituted legitimate spiritual functions for their own unrighteous purposes. It takes some time to get over that kind of spiritual abuse. But listen to me. It's time. It's time. It's now, now is the time. It's time to get those functions reconnected with their rightful biblical purpose it's time now is the time it's time to lift our hands again so that other people will know that we have and we should surrender our lives and, 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 and to the Lord and honor him it, it's time to say amen again so that people will know that we have to receive the word intentionally with gladness and with sincerity it's time to shout again or to dance again or to weep again or to go to the altar again or to pray with other people again so that people can see that in every circumstance and situation of our lives, God is worthy of a praise and that we're in this thing together. That there is never a season, never a reason for us to disconnect ourselves from the kingdom, to disconnect ourselves from, from the Father. That there's all this always time to work it's always time to gather to gather it's time to serve him wherever and however we can to do whatever God needs whatever his purpose is so that it can be accomplished people's lives are at stake it's time it's time I can see the day and I know this is the right place and I know you're the right people I can see the day and I am so desperate for it that people will come in this place and they'll be so overwhelmed by the presence of God they just don't know what to do with themselves 
that they'll, that they'll know that God loves them. Before we preach, they'll know God loves them because we've loved them so well since the time they walked in the door. They'll know that God is welcoming them home because we've made them feel like they belong. They'll know God's calling them to change because they can tell from just talking to us that we're different than the rest of the world. They'll know God wants them to have a, a better way than they have it now because they've seen our joy. They'll know that God has the power to change them because they can sense His power when we worship. They'll know that they can be honest about their spiritual condition and that this is a safe place to repent because we're humble and kind and gracious and people of integrity. I talked to somebody this week who, who knows this city and loves this city, but she said, how many churches are there where it's actually safe to repent? How many places can you go and actually say, I am eat up with pornography and I need help? Without the gasps and the finger pointing and the phone calls and the text messages, how many places? This has got to be one of those places. This church has got to be a place that's real and relational and reaching where people know they can find God every time, not just in a week of revival, every week. That's the vision. That's the power of purpose. Combining function and purpose to create an atmosphere that's filled with the mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit to change lives and create disciples. And here's the question today. Will you join me every week in creating that atmosphere? Will you join me in worshiping with purpose, in gathering with purpose, in welcoming people here with purpose? Stand with me, please, all across the house. Not a decision. I'm not asking you to stand if you've made that decision. I'm just asking you to stand if you can. Through many of the challenges of my life, and Valerie and I just celebrated 29 years, so we've been through most of those challenges together through many of the challenges of my life, Valerie and I have said to each other, I don't know what we would do if we didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know what we'd do if we didn't have our church family. Eighty-five percent of the people in this county the county that you live in don't have a relationship with Jesus. They don't have a church family. Who's going to be one for them? Where are the places in this county where they can come? 
Where are the churches where you can feel comfortable inviting people that ain't got church clothes, whatever that means? Where? Where are the churches where you know every time the doors open and the lights are on, the wind is blowing? Where? I'm not talking about faking it. I'm not talking about creating some image. I'm talking about the real power of God to change lives, not just to move emotions, not just to impress you, to change you. Where are the churches? It's not my place to judge. All I know is God is calling this church to be that church. And it will not happen by accident. No boat drifts to the right port. Somebody's got to put their hand to the rudder and steer. This has got to be that place. So I'm going to pray. Corey is going to sing. If you would like to come to this altar, you can come whenever you want to. I'm going to go down here after I pray. If you'd like me to pray with you, I'll be happy to. If you want to pray by yourself, please please go over here. Nobody will bother you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then you can't understand Jesus in 30 seconds. So I'm not even going to try that. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I would be happy to talk to you about what that means and how to surrender your life to Him. So if you'll come and find me, I'll either talk to you myself or I'll connect you with somebody who can. It's important. As a matter of fact, nothing is more important. Let's pray. Father, you you are everything. And God, I pray that you would move in our hearts today through your Holy Spirit. Show us what it is that you're trying to say to us. Show us what needs to change in our hearts. God, convict me of the times when I'm just here to fulfill a a function and I forget my purpose. God, I pray that you would convict each of us when we've come in and we've just gone through the motions or sometimes not even that. Convict us in that moment so that we can change it, so that we can do something about it, so that we can turn it around so that your purposes can be accomplished every time we meet. And and in the bigger picture, God, that your purpose can be accomplished through this church because I know that you want to raise this church up to be that place where people can find you every time. Where we are the people who live what we say we believe where we are the people that you can find us at the ball field, you can find us in the grocery store, and we actually still believe, and we still pray, and we're still kind, and we're still welcoming, and we're still on on kingdom purpose. God grant it. Lord, may this be a place that we can invite people and we can see their lives change. May this be a place where people come and really meet you. name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 
We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.